Welcome to Paradigms at Paradigms.life. Hi, I'm Baruch, host of Paradigms. Happy to be here with you, bringing you inspired, inspiring people with visions of a viable future for life on Earth that includes humans. A couple of months ago, I was in the UK, and I was visiting friends, and I got to meet new friends. And one of the people I met is my guest on Paradigms on this episode. Her name is Rain Gagan, and she's done a lot of interesting things in her life, and she'll tell us some of her story most recently, she's published a book of poetry called Apple Water, Pavel Pani, exploring her own ancestral roots among the Romani people in England. Rain will tell us all about it and share some of her poetry with us. And of course, we'll be listening to music along with the wonderful poetry. So stay tuned and let's meet my guest on this episode of Paradigms. Rain Gehagen, welcome to Paradigms. Thank you, Baruch. Kushti Divas. Now, what does that mean? That means good day to you in Romany. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm so happy to have you on the show. It was an incredible pleasure to meet you when I was in the UK in, gosh, almost two months ago already. You have an amazing story. I mean, with so many facets, I guess I just want to ask you to start by telling us a little bit about yourself, like what you've been doing in your life, where you grew up, and and then let's get to this latest project, well, combination of projects. Yes, yes. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Baruch, and it was lovely meeting you too. I was born in South Wales, and my mum was Gypsy Romany. My father was from the Welsh Valleys. He met my mum in the hop picking fields in Herefordshire, and I write a lot about that um, county. I grew up in Middlesex because my dad died when I was very young, and so I was actually brought up with a Romany traveller family. I lived with my granny, grandfather, my mum and my sister. So a lot of my stories and poetry comes from sort of early memories from that time. And I grew up in a very lively household, where everyone loved singing and dancing and telling stories. Everyone spoke their mind. It was a very healthy environment to be in. My mum would take me back to Wales two or three times a year to see my Welsh family. So what's interesting about all that is that I had sort of, you know, the Welsh language on one side, the Romany language on the other side, and English, obviously, in the middle. When I was about three and a half, my mum took me to a dance class and I took my shoes off and danced and absolutely loved it. My sister and I you know, joined the dance school and we went on to win competitions. Dance was just something I couldn't do without. I then went on to become um, very involved in theatre. I went to drama school. I did lots of things, both in terms of dance movement and theatre. I worked in the West End. I had my own theatre company called Earthworks, in which I devised, wrote and directed. And then I went back to university, did a degree, and I did lots of work with groups, 
people with special needs, um, using drama, movement, sacred dance. Then I became very ill and I had a very bad fall and my dancing and acting sort of literally had to fall away. But it was really at that point when I was 40, we're going back 23 years ago now, that I turned to writing and the writing has become my salvation. It's given me my life back again and it's interesting that, you know, I'm now writing and performing my poetry in various venues. I'm not dancing or acting, but I'm actually going out and reading my work and singing songs as well. My husband plays, accompanies me. So it's been a, a, a difficult journey, but a really a life-affirming journey. And I'm now you know, at this place where I'm writing prolifically and all sorts of things are happening. How wonderful. And your health has improved. Yes, it has improved, but I still suffer with chronic fatigue and severe pain, nerve pain, and I have a disability from falling down the stairs. But I really manage it all very well. You know, I rest a lot. I do what's needed. I'm very much into sort of self-healing. And so I'm able to go off and, and do these readings. I rest before I go. I make sure if I'm traveling in the car that I can stay with someone or stay in a hotel you know, what was fantastic last year was I got to go to both Dublin and Galway and read my poetry and be able to do that, which wasn't so easy before. And it's interesting, Brooke, that since I've been writing about my Romany family, it's sort of given me um, a lot more strength. I write a lot about my granny. She was a very strong character. And as soon as I get to the venue, I may be tired from the journey, but as soon as I stand up and I start reading these poems and these monologues, it's like somehow the energy comes, it flows through me. And I think a lot of this is because I'm working with and through my ancestors. It's a very powerful form. It's really sort of um, illuminating everything I'm doing. That's the first part of my conversation with Rain Gagan, hearing a bit of her origin story and what's motivating her and what's brought her to this point in her life. We'll be back with more of this conversation and hear some of Rain's poetry. But first, some music. This is Al Demiola and Paco de Lucia and John McLaughlin playing Mediterranean Sundance on Paradigms at paradigms.life.
Mediterranean Sundance. That's Al Demiola teaming up with Paco de Lucia and John McLaughlin. And now let's get back to my conversation with Rain Gagan and learn some more about her Romany heritage and hear some of the poetry from her new book. I had the experience firsthand of you sharing some of your poetry, and there was a lot of energy coming through. You were extremely animated, and it was powerful. So mm-hmm. I-, I testify that what you're saying is true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it- it's amazing how all kinds of challenges, difficulties, but illnesses, and and I think pain, emotional and physical pain, mm. if, if we open to it, can be really powerful teachers. Yes, yes, I think so too. You know, I went from a place where I couldn't really do very much at all in the early days. When I was 40 to about 45, I was in bed most of the time. I couldn't even listen to the radio because any intrusion was, was too much for my senses. Even sleeping was difficult, even though it was chronic fatigue. Sleeping was actually a difficult thing to drift off into because of pain and discomfort. But like anything, you know, one of the things I said to myself, Rain, don't look at what you can't do. Look at what you can do. And that's when I started journaling and lighting my candles, using ritual. I wrote a whole piece about the mother, the great mother, which was later made into a CD called Meditation on the Mother. That whole sort of time was really about me reconnecting with my spiritual self gradually over the years with a lot of help from my family and Simon, my husband. I've gained the strength to move forward and to start to sort of give back out to society. Are you ready to read something for us? Yes. Uh, What would you like? I've got loads here. (laughs) I want you to pick whatever you feel today. Okay, so I'm going to start with a poem called To Be a Romany, because many people are not really clear about who Gypsy Romanies are. And this is quite a light-hearted one, but it will give you an idea and it will give your listeners an idea of what it's like to be a Romany. Let me tell you what it was like to be a Romany in the old days. We lived in Fardas, made love and fought in them. We picked tops, fruit and veg until our backs were sore. We made pegs and sold them along the drum. Then there were the gillies we sang until our voices were hoarse. The boards we laid down in the beer shop so we could step dance. The herbs we picked to mend our body and spirit. Drabas passed down, tea leaves left in a cup to read. Cards spread on the table, awaiting the dukkara. Chavis brought up to rocker the Romany. We helped each other out, no matter what. We cooked on the yog, rabbit stew, hotchy witchy and joey grey. When one of ours died, we'd sit up all night. We'd drink mesky or whiskey, sing some of the old songs. The next day the vardas and covels were burnt. There was totting, ragging, selling the luladi. We worshipped the ground that we walked on, the fresh air, green spaces, the lungo drum. Meeting up with friends, getting the gry ready for travelling and finding the next Achin Tan. All this and more. I'll tell you what it was like to be a Romany in the old days. It was bloody kushti. Wow. <laughs> Even not knowing what some of the words mean, you, you get it. You totally get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, Baruch. Every time I read, I sort of, 
I say to the, to the audience, you know, there's, there's, there, I'm going to be using Romany words, but I hope that in the context of what I'm reading, you'll be able to get the gist. And thankfully, after each reading I give, people come up and say, I absolutely understood what you're talking about. And one of the things they noticed was that a lot of the Romany language is very similar to Indian languages like Hindi, Gujarati and Sanskrit. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot involved. There's a lot of richness in this language. I'm still exploring it and learning about it. And what you just described is how you grew up. Yes, to, to a certain extent. My mum was born in a gypsy vada. She was 14 when she moved into a house. And, you know, it was it was quite, quite difficult, actually, I, I would imagine, for all of them and from what they said, you know, that actual sort of moving out of the wagon into a house. I've got a poem here that I think will describe it for you. Shall I read it? Yes, please. It's about the time when my granny and grandfather, Amy and Alfie Lane, went to see this house. It was a brand new council house in Hanworth in Middlesex. And they'd been living in Nevada ever since they first got married. And it's called Just One Room. He stood on the back doorstep, took out a brand new key, unlocked the blue door. They both took their chockers off. He walked in first, she followed. Her eyes fell on the ceramic white sink in the corner of the kitchen. In the wagon they had four bowls, one made of gold china for washing their bodies. The others were metal, one for pots and pans, one for cutlery and one for washing clothes. The smell of fresh paint hung in the air. Alfie knocked on the wall, stroked it, took a deep breath. Amy walked into the hallway. Neither spoke. Once in the sitting room, Amy's mouth opened wide. Dicker Kai, Alf, he came to the door. We could fit our whole Varda in here, she said. This is just one room. Imagine moving from living in a caravan and being a traveler into a house. Here's a song that Rain's granny particularly liked. Maggie's Pancakes from Alton.
Maggie's Pancakes, performed by Altan, and that's one of Rain's Granny's favorite songs. And now here's the next part of my conversation with Rain Gagan. The transition that's being forced on Romani people from being travelers to living in houses mm. has got to be really difficult. Yes, it has. And that poem was published on the Traveler's Times, and I belong to a few face groups which consist mainly of, of Romani people, most of which are, live in houses now in Kens. But some of them are still on sort of maybe traveller sites. Recently, I put a poem up called Chickens in a Pen. And I had so many comments about this because a lot of them remembered what it was like when they were young and their parents had to move them into a house. I'll quickly read this one for you and then you'll know what I'm getting at because it caused a bit of a stir on Facebook. I'll try and remember it. It's called Chickens in a Pen. They drove us off the Toba. We settled in a ken. The Chavis didn't like it, like chickens in a pen. They drove us off the Toba. You've never seen the like. We couldn't hear the cuckoo sing or light the yog at night. They drove us off the Toba. The politicians had their say. We're gypsies through and through. Watch us rise. We'll have our day. They drove us off the Toba. We've settled in a pen. The Chavis... They don't like it, like chickens in a pen. Why is this happening? Well, it goes way back to, I mean, I can only speak for gypsy travellers in, in England. I don't really know much about other travellers in European countries or America. But basically, it goes back to um, this, at one point, all the gypsy travellers used to roam around the country in their vardas, with their horses, their their grai, and they would pick hops, pick fruit, vegetables, they'd make pegs, they'd do odd jobs, they'd sell clothes, all sorts of things, sell flowers. You know, it was a hard life in the winter, but they enjoyed it. They were free to roam the countryside. Now, in the late 40s, 50s, 60s, there was a big clampdown. A lot of politicians wanted them off the roads, you know, all going back to this sort of control thing. Mm -hmm that each government has, the power that they have. And so eventually most of those traveling gypsies would have been either in houses or in special camps where they had sort of trailers. A lot of them pulled together and used their money to buy a little bit of land so they could pull the trailers on. But now gypsy travelers only travel in the summer or to different festivals. Um, it's all very different. You, you won't see that many of them out on the roads it was a very difficult time in the 50s you know the police would be coming along I've got a poem here I think you may remember this one Brooke from you know back in in June when I read it but this one is about that and it's my granny's motto was keep moving you know she sold flowers so when she moved into the house in Middlesex she said to my grandfather, she said, I'm going to go to the market, buy some flowers, and I'm going to sell them. And she did it right up to she was like nearly 80 years old. She sold flowers from a barrow. And her motto was keep moving. And this is the title of this piece. And it has a little song in it as well. The last weekend in May, a Friday, we pulled up on the poo. We got the fire going and washed the little chavis ready for bed. Our Ryra and me were drinking mesky when our Sammy shouted, Dick I, the gathers are coming. 
All the morts came out of the Vardas and we stood there. We had to hold the men back as the gathers started to wreck the site. One of them kicked the kittle off the yog. He shouted, Pack up and get going, you're not welcome here. I had to hold my Alfie back. He don't lose his temper much, but when he does, watch out. Like that time he snoped a gyro in the yock outside the beer shop and ended up in the cells for a night. It rained hard. We got drenched as we packed up all our covers. The chavis were crying, the men swearing under their breath, knowing if they said anything they get carted off. Our Tilda was moaning about not getting sushi stew. Us morts started to sing. I'm a Romany rye, a true didikai. I build all my castles beneath the blue sky. I live in a tent, I don't pay no rent, and that's why they call me a Romany rye. As the men untied the horses, me and Raya cleared up the rubbish. I heard the gabber say, bleeding jippos? My Elfie called out, the gabbers are grunts, less gel on, keep moving. We kept moving, but sometimes we stayed put for a while, like when we was op picking or pea picking. I'm a Romany rom, I travel the drum. I all call the day and I dance through the night. I'll never grow rich, I was born in a ditch. And that's why they call me a Romany Rye. All together in the poo, the best of times. Thank the blessed Lord. In the next part of my conversation with Rain, she's going to describe some of her creative process. It's really interesting. But first, music by Lorena McKennett. This is Huron Beltane Fire Dance. And you're listening to Paradigms at paradigms.life.
It's Lorena McKinnett with Huron Beltane Fire Dance. Now let's return to my conversation with Rain Gagan and hear some more about her family and also some more of her poetry. All of what you're reading and talking about, it, it speaks of an older time and then the, the advent of modernity and how it's really kind of destroying some of what was beautiful in the past. Yes, yes. But you're keeping it alive. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to, Baruch. I'm trying to. This is what I meant about how the ancestors are working through me. They're guiding me on what I need to be, you know, expressing and just really bringing forth, telling the truth, really. It needs to be remembered. Yes. You know, because there's so much, there's so much about these people that, that needs to be expressed. Because there's so much misunderstanding about them, you see. There's lots of falsities about about Gypsy Romanies. In a way, it's like the ancestors are keeping you alive so you can keep them alive. Yes, I think that's a really good way of putting it, actually. <laughs> yes, I, I do feel that. And it's I, I get a little buzz when I start to write. What happens to me with my sort of process of writing is I may wake up one morning and I have an idea of something and... I'll see a face, it might be my grandfather's or a great aunt's or something, and I'll think, oh, why am I seeing her? And then I start to sort of listen to her voice. I start to do a bit of research, talk to relatives, that sort of thing, look at photographs, and then gradually a story or a song or a, a monologue comes forward. And I'd like to read you a monologue, actually, about one of the characters. Please. I'll read to you a song to rest the tired dead, which is about a lovely lady, my great aunt Celia. She was the one that was brought in to actually wash the dead, wash the bodies of the dead. It's something they don't do now, which I think is a bit of a shame because I don't like the way funerals are carried out here in England. I only found out about her and what she did last year. But this poem, again, has raised a lot of comments. It's been published twice online and it's called a song to rest the tired dead it is dusk she has come to wash the body a table is set by the bed a bowl of lavender water clean muslin cloths a white towel too young for death she thinks as she removes all the clothing and jewelry from the body of her niece she notices stretch marks on the thighs how the breasts have dropped from feeding the chavis Forty years ago, just being born, sucking at her daya's breast. Taking a cloth, she dips it in water, squeezes it hard in her hand, sets about her task. Malt stand by the doorway, aunts, daughters, sisters and the dyer singing in a low, soft voice, a song to rest the dead. She speaks quietly to her loved ones as she gently cleans, lifting one arm up, then the other, holding it, placing it down carefully as if it was made of glass. The others won't move too close. It is mockery to do so. This woman who washes the dead now holds both feet, letting them rest for a while, blessing them for all the miles they have trod the earth. She dresses her niece in the finest of clothes, combs her dark tangled hair, places the gold chain and earrings in the palm of the right hand, puts the wedding ring back on the third finger of the left hand, 
such small fingers. Bending forward kisses them. You are ready now, my girl. Solve well. And that's a practice that isn't really carried out anymore. Um, at least I don't think it is. Thank you. You're welcome. Such beautiful poems that bring such powerful images and emotion. You have children of your own? Yes, I have um, a son, Luke, who's in Australia, traveling around, and a daughter, Rebecca, who has two children and a family. How do they relate with their Romani heritage? Yeah, they're really interested. My daughter, you know, remembers, my mum died 23 years ago, my granny died 10 years ago, so... My daughter, we call her Becky, she remembers so much about it and she loves it all. My granny, Amy, was, was a real character of, you know, in the family and we all talk about her because of her very strong character and the fact that she wouldn't put up with anybody's messing. And I mean that, brute. She, she was a real tough cookie. And she used to sell her flowers in Felton High Street and... She would push the barrow with all the flowers. She'd always sell out and then sort of come back home and take off her money belt and sort of count out her money, which are called poshes. And she used to make us all laugh. Sometimes she used to, she's got, had a bit of a temper. But, you know, my daughter and I and my son, we often sit and talk about, about her and about my mum and, you know, the, the ways. They had very sort of interesting expressions. And as I said, you know, we all love to sing and dance, and that's a real part of our family. We, we still all love to sing and dance um, and play music. So, yes, we, we are quite a, a strong family, definitely. Keeping the tradition alive, in a, even yes. though it's changed. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. There's something about, you will know, when you meet other sort of gypsy travellers, you'll know it's, they like to have a good time. They like to let their hair down and have a good time. And little things mean a lot, and they don't need a lot of money to enjoy themselves. We'll be back with the final part of my conversation with Rain Gagan after we hear this piece of music that Rain selected by K.D. Lang, one of her favorite musicians. This is Helpless.
Katie Lang performing Neil Young's timeless song, Helpless. And now let's get back to my conversation with Rain Gagan. So you have written this book of poems, this collection of poems called Apple Water, Pavel Pani. Yes, yes, I have. And people can get this book and read your poems. Yes, it's it sold really well, Baruch. I'm so thrilled with it because it was um, published last year by Hedgehog Press. And I got to read it at the Ledbury Poetry Festival, which was just an amazing place for me. Well, I previewed it there, actually. I read it alongside a film called Stories from the Hopyards, which they had featured some of my work in, in the film, the documentary. And it was a very special event. And then in December, this was officially launched at the Poetry Cafe at Covent Garden. And since then, yes, I've been giving readings I've been nominated for Best of the Net, Pushcart Prize and the Forward Prize. And the book was, Apple Water Pavel Pani was recommended as, as one of the, well, recommendations by the Poetry Book Society for the spring 2019 season. So that was particularly, particularly exciting for me to sort of know that it's in mainstream, you know, that it's not a book that is just sort of, just about Romney's, that it will appeal to all readers of poetry. It's had wonderful reviews. I've had eight reviews, all really, really good. And the thing about the poetry really is that it, it's about my family. There are pictures in here about my family. As you said, it's about helping to sort of bring them back to life in a way. It's showing people this is what the Romney culture is all about. You know, if you read this book, you will, you will get a, a taste of it, a flavor of it. So, I'd like to read you this one, which is one of my favourites, and it was nominated for an award. It's called Hotchy Witchy, which means hedgehog. To bake an Hotchy Witchy, roll it in the clay. Drop it in the embers of the yog. Go and sing a song, chase the sushi down the drum. Do a little jig-jog-jog. When you open up the clay, the spines will come away. Chank it while it's good or not. It may be all we got. Gorge your food it's not. Chew your little jig-jog-jog. Chew your little jig jog jog. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend with a pet hedgehog. I'm hoping she doesn't listen to this part. I know. <laughs> everyone everyone says things like that, but everyone loves it and they know that in those days when the when the Romneys were on the road and they you know, they may not have had much money, but they had to literally have, you know, hedgehogs, rabbits, chickens, pheasants, that sort of thing yeah. to keep keep them going. But yeah, I would never. I've never eaten a hedgehog. No, thank you. I love them. But it's but it's it's country food for traveling people who are living uh, who are surviving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. This is what the book is about. But I also try, you know, in my other work, I've got I've got, you know, I'm hoping to get another pamphlet published. I'm really hoping to get an anthology of Roma women's voices at some point published and I'm seeking at the moment anybody that's you know Romani or half Romani like I am I'm a Didikai that's what half Romani is to contact me because I'm looking to really showcase the Rome Romani life and, and bring it right up to date and so that is that is a project I'm working on at the moment I've got to try and find some funding for it but I think it's it would be really interesting to do that oh yeah well maybe there are some people of roma heritage listening who might be in touch with you 
That would be fantastic. I believe there's great value in celebrating all of the beautiful different ways that humans have found to live. Absolutely, yes. And I think it's quite poignant, um, Baruch, that, you know, that with all these refugees that are sort of, they're walking, they're walking, that they're just on their feet all the time. And one of the first poems I wrote when I started off writing about this was called The Lungo Drawn, The Long Road. And just this idea of, of a woman walking or, you know, just continually walking. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time. And I think there's much to be learned from this culture. You know, the Roma heritage has, has so much to give us on many different levels. I really do. So I have a little gypsy lullaby for you, which I'll sing if you'll yes, let me. Yes, please. Okay, this is what one of my little gypsy um, wagon songs. And when I go out, and Simon comes with me sometimes, and he accompanies me on the guitar or the um, accordion. It's just a little soft lullaby that a mother would sing to her baby. I'll sing you a lullaby, my wild Romany child. Then you must sleep, dream of Shushi and Grai. I'll sing you a lullaby, my beautiful child. I'll cast a drama, how peaceful your life. And it just goes on and then this music comes in in a sort of a chorus thing. But it's just very simple little, little song. Thank you so much, Rain. Thank you for coming on the show and thanks for what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Brute. So wonderful to hear Rain's poetry in her own voice, telling the stories of her ancestors and her own growing up and of a people who are being forced into conformity being forced to give up their ways. And this is happening in a number of countries around the world. Over a million people, forest dwellers, are being forced into the cities in India, being forced out of their forest homes, their ancestral homes. The same thing is happening in Brazil. And we've seen how indigenous people are treated in North America and lots of other places. So this wonderful poetry of rains and the wonderful stories she's telling us of the Romani people in the UK, there are so many such people being forced to change around the world. But in any case, thank you so much, Rain, for coming on to Paradigms and for sharing your wonderful creativity and life force. If you'd like to learn more about Rain, buy her book, find out where she's performing, you can go to her website, raingagan.co.uk. R-A-I-N-E-G-E-O-H-E-G-A-N dot C-O dot U-K. You can also find Rain on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Check her out. Thank you so much, Rain. This episode of Paradigms, like all the others, is archived at the Paradigms website, paradigms.life, and in iTunes, and in all the places where you find your podcasts. So you can easily subscribe listen again, and share Paradigms episodes with friends and family. And please do check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com paradigms. We really appreciate your support. We'll be back with more inspired, inspiring people. Next episode features singer Canice Washington, who's just released a new CD, Shades of Shirley Horn. But I'm going to leave you now with one more track of music in the Roma vein. 
This is Saban Bajramovic with Yasmina. Baruch signing off for Paradigms. We'll see you next time. Have a great week. Be well, be kind, be brave, and remember your ancestors and what they survived and how that informs your life. All right, see you next time.
been listening to Paradigms at paradigms.life.